Hi, Allison. So happy to have you here as my guest on Unfounded. Our topic today is it takes a village. And when it comes to building entrepreneurial communities and the powerful role that ecosystem uh, plays in startup culture, girl, you have seen some stuff. Um, so I'm so happy to have you. Uh, we have three questions that we're going to ask each other about building ecosystems. One looks to the past, one speaks to the present, and the third leans to the future. As you know, we've given each other a sneak peek into questions about the past and the present. Uh, but the third one, the one about the future, that one's the wild card, and we have not shared that question with each other in advance. So no formal bios on this show, but for anyone watching or listening, you can read more about Allison's incredible experience working in the Atlanta startup scene, a place I very much miss visiting since the pandemic in the show notes. So instead of reading bios, I've asked Allison to pick three words to describe herself before we jump into the conversation. So Allison, three words to describe you. Three words, I'm gonna say dedicated, passionate, and outgoing. Damn, girl, you do not need me to affirm your choices, but having spent time <laughs> at, at an event with you, you glow like an orb, even when there are a thousand people around. So I, I, I stand, I stand for those descriptions. Okay, it takes a village, the past, present, and future of Starp Ecosystems. Let's do this. Um, get in your time machine, Allison. I'm going to ask you to look backwards for this first question about the past. Um, you've played a huge role in supporting infrastructure for the Atlanta startup community uh, for a long time. What surprised you the most about how things have unfolded over the last decade? What happenings or changes did you not predict or see coming? So I think, you know, when I, what, the biggest thing is when I started, we literally had no funds. So we had no money here. And, you know, here we have a city as big as, you know, a, a booming city in the Southeast with six funds. So that was probably my biggest surprise. And I think what I didn't see coming was the explosive growth. We had, we added a bunch of funds, added incubators, baiters, added co-working scenes, and all of a sudden little Atlanta is booming. So it just, it, it went faster than you thought. Yes. Well, who can complain about that? Okay, Allison, your turn. Take me to the past. So, Melissa, as a you know technology investor, what single piece of technology do you think has had the biggest impact on growing a city's tech ecosystem? And you cannot say the phone. Yeah, or the internet, right? Um, or the internet. Sure. Yeah. So, I don't think it's been technology driven. Um, I think it's been narrative driven. Um, certainly enabling infrastructure helps a, helps a community take advantage of opportunities faster. So if, if, if shit's connected and not spread out uh, far away without ways to get it connected, you know, th those are good things. But I think putting technology aside, when I think about the many startup ecosystems uh, in the US that I've had the, the privilege to spend time in over the last couple of years, especially, um, it really, I think it's a lot about the people and the narrative and how much those two uh, support each other uh, and how much the, the, the community is sort of engaged in that. Because uh, I think Atlanta is a good example of a place that is actually a little hard to get around. And it's not totally connected in an easy way, but yet it has managed to overcome maybe some of those early infrastructure realities um, to take advantage of a lot of the opportunity that now you see in Atlanta as, as a huge hub uh, in the country, but certainly in the Southeast. I think my assessment is where ecosystems begin to really pick up steam and start firing uh, on, on all cylinders is when the people 
and the story kind of rub up against each other in a really uh, complimentary way. And in places that have good people and a good story, but they are, those things don't fit together, I think that um, that becomes some um, kind of much harder work to see that progress come come to fruition. So and Atlanta is finally telling its story. Yeah, well, or maybe just also when when the story makes sense because so many ecosystems want they want their story to be something that maybe it isn't, and there's no kind of organic uh, authenticity to it. And so the people that are entrusted with making that story real that's that's just impossible work, right? So somewhere in between um, dreaming big but having an honest and authentic connection with like who you really are. I think that's what really like makes things um, things hum. So, all right, Allison, um, we're, uh, we're, we're back to today, the terra firma of now. Um, there is no single ingredient uh, to a healthy startup ecosystem, I think. I mean, really, I'm not even sure there's a single definition of what's a healthy startup ecosystem. Um, but if you did have to pick something that you were especially bullish about, what would it be? Uh, and if I had asked you this question kind of five years ago, do you think you would have said the same thing? So. You know, I've been asked this question multiple times and I answer it the same way every single time. It's collaboration. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's people are nice here in the South, but you get someone that comes down and it's, how can I help you? Who can I connect you to? How can I make this path easier for you? And that was what started with me with Venture Atlanta. It was, here's who you need to meet. Here's how this needs to happen. Here's how this needs to happen. And had we not had the collaboration, had we not had the fact that every October when we have Venture Atlanta, everyone goes, okay, what do we need to do to make sure Venture Atlanta is the best event? The fact that everyone builds their events around us, we start putting all eyes on Venture Atlanta. And I just think Atlanta has done an amazing job with collaboration where there's communities that don't work together as well. You really do. And again, like, I don't know if it's, you know, Southern hospitality, it's probably not that. But um, I think really, I mean, obviously there are funds certainly competing with each other for a piece of the pie. There are universities competing for, for great talent and great students, but somehow everyone sort of, you know, fits, fits together and the collaboration to me is just, has been what's been our secret sauce. Yeah, like at the end of the day, even when it, like you sort of make it work maybe, but it sounds to me like it could be the hospitality, but uh, sounds to me like um, you're describing just a, a lot of respect, like an over overarching respect, um, which allows people to sort of make it happen. So that makes sense. All right, Allison, hit me up with your question about the present. Um, all right. So, you know, here we are, two, two phenomenal women. What role... Um, do you hear my dogs? You can. It's it's welcome to 2021. I mean, uh, power on. I have I have church bells and a souped up race car that goes off every day at about two o'clock. I I yeah yeah carry on. I mean, carry on. you know, par for the course, right? Of course. Yeah, my, of course. Um. So the role of women continues to grow in tech. How can women continue to play a larger role in that growth? Receive more funding, and how do we hear about the? unicorns because you know what we i'm not seeing them like I, you know we just announced four in atlanta no women so how do we get more women yeah i think there's a lot of uh, complexity there and i i mean this is something you and i both get asked a lot about and i think care very deeply about um you know i think you got to first re remember that you know it it 
it's been a, a millennia in the making, right? So the exclusion of women and many other identities from startup culture has been, uh, was, was something that took a long time to entrench and embed and codify. So it's, it's not, I'm not surprised it's taking a long time to undo. I think probably the most profound thing that you and I can do at this stage in our career, and this has been a tough learning for me, is it's not just about trying to thread more women through the same pipe that we threaded the, the men through, I think it's really about opening our eyes and our minds to more pipes, new pipes, different beginnings, different ends, different outcomes. Um, and it, so I think leaning into your, your question about, about unicorns, I mean, I do think that we, we should have seen proportionately more women um, getting to that terminus uh, just by virtue of how women make up half of the population, right? Um, right? But I think really when I see the biggest opportunity for entrepreneurship is to pull back from our obsession from singular outcomes and really think more about what are we not seeing along the way that invariably will lead to more of those outcomes. Um, I think also to some of this is storytelling. Um, you know, one, one of the, fir the first uh, public company to go, first company to go public uh, founded by a woman was back in 1972, but who, but no one talks about it. I think a lot of these stories have been overwritten, underwritten, um, and I think in some ways um, washed, uh, man washed. Um, and I, so I think there's an opportunity to tell stories differently, to tell our own history differently, to make it obvious to a new generation of entrepreneurs that it is very possible and plausible for you as a female founder to find your way to that terminus. But in the meantime, um, given that, that that is a relatively narrow um, finite group of companies, make sure that we're not taking our eyes off the prize of all the meat in that sandwich, right? Like somewhere in between you're a unicorn, you go public and you know, you have a single retail shop on main street, right? There's so, there's everything else that has then the opportunity to make its way over there. Um, but I think there's just an incredible opportunity to be thinking about um, creating more experiences that truly account for women's realities and their experiences and starts to take a more honest approach to un unbundling and unraveling all of the systemic bias that is still very much present in the system. So and, and that's my, my two cents on it. There's so much more, you know, companies seeing that they wanna have female leadership and, you know, the C-suite adding, you know, making sure you have the diversity with, with female, um, perspective. I mean, you just, you know, it's different perspective and it's just, it's all fascinating, but I, yeah. I, for the day where there's more and, you know, I know a lot of the young women are like, I'm going to be the next Sarah Blakely and Ben Spanks or whatever. Which is great. Right. And finally, at least we have those kinds of stories and role models to inspire them with. So I think that's, that's good. All right. Buckle up, Allison, get in the time machine. Boop, 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 boop. We're heading to the future. Um, so the thing about communities is they're made up by people uh, and organizations and people and organizations change, right? The Atlanta startup scene, uh, which is in itself many worlds in one, has changed so much even in the few years that I've had the opportunity to, to participate and to visit. And it will continue to do so, maybe even at a faster pace today, than yesterday, uh, given the just the momentum now that the community is starting to build. Um, so, we're going to drop a time capsule into the ground today, you and me, and 20 or 30 years from now, a new generation of ecosystem champions are going to open it. What would you put in that time capsule and why? Ooh, whoa. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, God, what would I put in that time capsule? 
You know, it doesn't even have to exist. You could manufacture right. it. It doesn't even have to be a I, real You object. know what I think would be would be so fun is 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 just putting a, a map of here's here's what we where we are. And you know, because I think it would be it would just be so small compared to what it's going to be in 30 years and realizing that, you know, God, did Atlanta really only had, you know, 20 phones or did Atlanta really you know, what were, was the tech scene just, just, you know, ATV and ATDC, and now it's just this burgeoning, burgeoning thing. So I think, you know, we, we've kind of plotted maps over the years, and I think it would be fascinating for someone to look at one of those maps and almost like laugh at it, you know, and probably be like, yeah. wow, look where they were and look where, you know, look where they've come. And I think, you know, Atlanta has always been kind of in this infancy, infancy, you know, behind New York and Boston and Silicon Valley and wanting to be, you know, the next Silicon Valley. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is, is that you wonder if because of the pandemic that we face in 2020 and people are leaving New York and people are leaving California, is Atlanta going to become the next Silicon Valley? Like, are we going to start seeing that Silicon Valley wants to be Atlanta? You know, so it would just be, to me, it would just be fascinating to see what um, these future leaders will see, what, you know, people like my son who is graduating from college, you know, and, and you know, what, what people in, in his class will be building and creating. Yeah, I love that idea. I, I was asked this question about uh, around gender and I thought I would just put in today's stats around um, the disparities in support for women and people of color and, and, and may, white male entrepreneurs. Because one, either, because they would be blown away that we were that backwards yes. or, oh my God, that's or, or incredibly ashamed at how little progress they've made. In either case, they would it would be memorable. Yes, All right, this is it. Allison, launch launch me into tomorrow. Ask me about the future. All right, I'm not sure. I, this is kind of I was wavering on this question a lot. So, um, you know, the the government, politics, things have been a little crazy. Things, uh, you know, whoever thought that you know Twitter would stop a, a president from tweeting or or Mark Zuckerberg would, would block people on Facebook. And, um, you know, that just got me thinking in the, in the future, mm. do you see the role of the government of local governments helping or hindering the startup ecosystems? I mean, is big brother going to get bigger? That is, I think that's a very good question. And I'm really glad you didn't waver. Cause I, th I think it's the kind of question that like we need to start asking ourselves about, about what are gonna be the guardrails? Who is gonna set tone? Who is gonna set policy? Um, and, and, and what will be the relative impacts of that, right? What's gonna, like, cause there'll be pros and cons uh, to whoever is making those decisions. You know, I think we are living in a time that we will look back on uh, and really see this as a, as a huge seismic shift in, in every single way. And I think what's happening, whether people like it or not, uh, is there's there's a convergence of many factors. One is just globalization of of everything, uh, building companies, organizations, um, rules, uh, realities. Pandemic pandemic just highlighted all that, right? And at the same time, we have a new generation of young people, many of whom will become the innovators and entrepreneurs of tomorrow, who really aren't subscribing to the old orthodoxies or rules around um, how things get done. With 
with government being tops of their list of things that they have no confidence in, no interest in, don't want to participate in, and are coming up with alternative strategies for creating the things in the world that they want to exist for better and for worse. I think what we're seeing is a flattening of hierarchies that you and I had really normalized uh, because we inherited them from generations of the past. And as they flatten these hierarchies and normalize behaviors, um, I think a lot of the things that we take as, as fixed today, things like regulation, things like team structure, all kinds of things that in startup culture feel kind of permanent, I think they're, they're going to erase a lot of it. I think you're going to see all kinds of things that we once thought of as taboo or as unthinkable uh, or, or is just not plausible uh, being extremely thinkable, extremely plausible and not at all taboo. And so I think the role of government in this uh, is up for grabs. I think it already is. I and mean, I think on some ways the genie is out of the bottle, the horse has left the barn, whatever. Well, I don't know what the right metaphor is for my friends in the Southeast, but the horse has <laughs> left, maybe the horse has left the barn. Um, and I think what we're gonna see now is a reckoning of that. And it's gonna be uncomfortable, disruptive. They're gonna be winners and losers. Um, and I do think that um, it is gonna be very difficult for local governments uh, to play a meaningful role, um, except perhaps to be at least willing to be part of the conversation in a new way. Uh, maybe the only chance for those organizations to stay relevant is to really reevaluate how they participate in the conversation and what does it mean to participate? I think at the federal level, we have, you know, we have structures that are a little more resistant to change and have more leverage, um, as you see, uh, you know, in some ways. But I think you also saw, I think we've also seen that the ability of the governments, uh, for any government to fully con contain or constrain an individual, let alone a technology, is super limited. So I think it's going to be crazy nuts, bananas. But the optimist in me, the hopeful person in me, the humanist in me um, continues to believe that while there will be consequences and probably collateral damage, that there'll be enough good humans around the table to still kind of carve a path where you know, we can have some, some justice uh, and, and some, some equity uh, at the end of that. But it, basically, I have no idea, but it's going to be crazy. Yeah. And there's a small there's a small part of me that is glad that I will be dead um, through a lot of it. <laughs> so let's hope there not in it. 20 or 30 years. Let's hope you're still here. <laughs> well, yeah, OK, maybe not 20, like 50 years. I was thinking. Yeah, 50 years. Um, yeah, yeah 50 years. Yeah, that's it. All right, Allison, we have done it. We have circumnavigated uh, the world of startup ecosystems with uh, looking at the past, present, and the future. Uh, and I want to thank you again. And I, uh, again, you need no affirmation um, from the outside. But as a person who came to the Southeast for the very first time, um, very much uninitiated, to the really robust, um, very large um, communities of entrepreneurs that were throughout uh, the country, not just in Atlanta, I will say that um, when I first um, started participating, there really was a genuine collegial um, and really rapid uh, firing network there that helped me find my people, uh, make connections, feel welcome, um, and just get tuned in uh, in a way that felt really authentic and warm. And I don't, uh, don't, I have not experienced that equally in all ecosystems. And it did feel oddly coordinated. So much so that I, I think I think I told you one time when I go to a new town, I have to go three times before I'm willing to answer a question about what I think. Because the first time you go, everything seems totally awesome, like perfect. The second time you go, you hear about all the things that nobody told you the first time around, like all of the what's not great, who doesn't like who, what's the backstory. The third time you start to put the pieces together and you really start to um, kind of see things a little bit more for what they are. Um, and so uh, having visited Atlanta many more than three times, uh, I can say that 
a lot of what I first experienced really did turn out to be true. So congratulations to you. And I know there are so many other people in Atlanta that have been on oh, part yeah. of the journey um, for Absolutely. sure. And I, uh, and so, but yeah, not that you need it, but from this Yankee traveler from the North who spent more time in the Southeast than any other part of the country in 2019, job well done. So well, um, we, and I can't wait to come back. So I'll be back soon. <laughs> we hope you want to come back at some point. So, you know, work, all work. right. I think well, we're all, thank you so much. And I think we're all getting soon. closer and closer to wanting to be together again. So, so true. So true. Thank you so much. Thanks, Melissa.